At First Baptist Church, our mission is to follow our Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others to a joyful life with Him. Our hope is that you will encounter Jesus Christ in such a way that you will have joyful news to go and tell. If you would, find uh, Matthew 6, 1 through 6 in your listening sheet. Uh, we're going to read this aloud together. And as you do, we'll stand again and we'll, we'll stand as we read. This then is the text for today. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. May God bless the reading of his word. If you search attention span uh, on the internet, you, you're gonna get a wide array of data and stories. There's one particular doomsday story that caught my attention, claiming that human beings now have a shorter attention span than a goldfish. <laughs> that as it stands, the tests that they do a goldfish can concentrate for nine seconds. The most recent studies on humans say humans can only concentrate for eight seconds, which means you have already been distracted three times during this sermon. <laughs> and over the course of this sermon, you will be distracted some 200 times. So that was on the worst end. And all of this matters how you define attention, right? Or attention span, or what they mean by sustained or unsustained or distracted or not distracted. Because if, if you look at all the variables and all the different studies, there's, there's a number of different things that you see. You'll see some people say human attention span is eight seconds. You'll see some people say human attention span is two minutes. You see, others say that no human can stay in concentration on a thing or a person for more than 10 minutes, right? So there's all these different time frames. But with all the different things that you, you see and read and all the different variables they bring in and out, the, the data is concerning. There, there's a number of these that have been done for long periods of time. And there were some that said, when you look at the last 20 years, that human attention span has decreased 
by about 25% over the last 20 years. I mean, that's more than 1% a year. Soon, we won't be able to concentrate on anything. And it's, it's, it's all a bit concerning, right? When we think about church life, we think about sermons, we think about studying the Scripture, we think about being on our knees in prayer. It's all very concerning. And we know it's, it's easy and logical to blame technology, which likely has some level of fault for our dwindling ability to focus on things that matter. So it, it is a difficult task to focus, to concentrate. It, it's one of those difficulties that, that we bear in our flesh. We're distracted very easily. And so it's hard to, to focus in on where Jesus wants us to go today. Where Jesus calls us to chew on this text together and trust that the Spirit is going to bring light to this text as we come in near to it. So here, as we, we deal with what Jesus wants us to deal with today, He gives us a warning. And this warning is a reflection of our, our fallibility, our, our mortality. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a failure of humanity. That There are many people, even in the church, who do spiritual things for the wrong reason. Right? They, they do spiritual things, like giving money to the poor. Spiritual things like, like prayer or fasting. And they do those kinds of things just to get people's attention. They, they want the, the spotlight on them. They want people to notice them. And so they do these profound spiritual practices so that someone else will notice what they're doing. And as Jesus gives us this warning here, he says, this is a waste of time on every level that you could imagine. Their attention span is so short, it doesn't even matter. And their, their selfishness is so deep, they will likely never notice you. If, if you are living out a religious life, so that somebody else will pat you on the back. You're wasting your time. And it doesn't matter who it is. If, if you're living out a religious life so that your mom will smile, if, if you're living out a religious life so that someone you admire will glance at you, whether that's somebody you admire spiritually or somebody you admire romantically, if, if you're trying to get somebody else's attention by doing something spiritual, you will be waiting a long time with very little reward. See, as Jesus is warning here in Matthew 6, there is no need whatsoever to play religion for people's attention. That's one piece of this. But the other significant part here is there is no need to do anything whatsoever to get God's attention. 
You don't have to get God to notice you. God noticed. God knows. You have God's unwavering attention, and you always have. There's a couple of places that note this in our text. Matthew 6, 4. Your Father sees what is done in secret and will reward you. In our theology here, we see that God is all-knowing. God is all-seeing. The things done in the shadows are known by Him. The parts of your thoughts, the shadows in your heart, God knows every single one of them. He knows you intimately. You go go down in in verse 8. Your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. God has already noticed, and you have God's attention. See, we have this tendency, because this is what we do in theology. When we study God, we have to put God's characteristics in human terms so that we can understand them. And it's always limited, and it's always incomplete when we try to describe who God is. And so often we fall into a bad habit of assuming that God behaves and operates like we behave and operate. So sometimes we think of God like this, that God is a good father, and he has 12 little children running around. And in our way, in our world, when you have a father and 12 little children, those little children naturally do everything possible that they can to get their dad's attention. You'll have one untying his shoe. You'll have one jumping onto his lap. You'll have one climbing over the top of the couch, coming over his head, saying, Dad, look at me. And all 12 of them are moving about trying to get their father's attention. And and we think of God in this way, like God has a limited capacity of attention that he can only connect with one child at a time. And when, when this is the way we picture God, or if this is what we believe about God, we inevitably perform religious shows we, we take the things that we read in Scripture and, and we, we perform them hoping that our Heavenly Father will finally now notice us. And this is what Jesus talking about these things, even like giving to the poor. We'll give to the poor and make a show of it. When we pray, we pray in a way that's worthy of a Broadway musical. When, when we fast, It's accompanied by this dreary fanfare like a funeral. And and we do it all to get God's attention. And and as God is looking from his sovereign throne, it looks looks something more like this, that that we're we're up at the the top of Mount Everest trying to get God's attention. And and, and we go and and we get our one-man band costume where we're holding an accordion, we're, we're beating a bass drum, we're, we're blowing into a harmonica, and the, the, the sequins in between are just glowing and hoping that all of it will be enough for God to glance our way so that we might have a moment of our Heavenly Father's time. But nowhere in Scripture does it say this is how God operates. God will never overlook you. I mean, you and I both know there there have been plenty of times 
when our earthly fathers didn't look our direction. There have been plenty of times where I've done that with my daughters. God never does that. You don't have to grab God's attention. Let me say, for better or worse, you already have it. God knows you more intimately than you know yourself. He knows what you need before you even ask Him. Luke tells us God knows the exact number of hairs that are on your hair today. Uh, that backwards. God knows the exact number of hair on your head today. Do you and I know those things? God, God knows you, and God will never forget you. So as Jesus is teaching here in Matthew 6, he's talking about attention. But he also gives us an, another piece of this where, where he, he turns and talks about rewards. He says, in this life for you, there, there's really two paths that we go down. You, you have this path of, of heavenly reward or this path of human reward. He says, humans, people in your life will offer you all kinds of rewards. But I'm going to pick two to exemplify their nature. Humans reward you with things like 15 seconds of applause that will end as abruptly as it began because their attention is waning. It'll be quick, temporary. You will feel exhilarated for about the length of time that it takes you to put on one of your shoes. Or, if you want something to take home with you, people will, will give you a plastic trophy with this witless figurine on top. A hollow man, ignorant of his purpose. And as ridiculous as, as all this sounds, people still chase human attention all day long. It becomes an obsession for us. It's, it's, it's one of the failures uh, of, of our human nature that this is what we chase after. But anything people offer you is, is, is flimsy and fleeting. And, and here's the even crazier part of all this. We recognize it. We, we see human praise disintegrate right in front of our eyes. And our absurd response is to double down. We go get the one-man band outfit to get constant evaporating praise from lingering onlookers, hoping it'll be enough to soothe our fear of worthlessness. People's applause will not heal you. People's applause will not sustain you. There is no person who can provide the peace you long for except for Emmanuel, Jesus Christ our Lord. 
And so he talks about that other way, right? So he, t- he talks about the way of human accomplishment and applause. But then, then he talks about the, the way of heaven, the heavenly rewards. And there are all kinds of different uh, uh, rewards that, that God gives us. We need to divide those into two categories. As with most things in the Scripture, we see them in two categories. One is, is this temporal or earthly reward. The other is eternal right, or, or heavenly kind of reward. And the great joy of following Jesus is, is that you get both. You find significant rewards for following Jesus now and then, right, here and eternally. So let me give you one of the examples that we know here and now. One of the constant refrains of Scripture is this refrain of peace. It's interesting, when you go back and look at the Old Testament, there's, there's a few different times where it, it It says, Israel had peace on every side. And these these are out of a time of obedience. When Israel was obedient to the Lord, or when Israel's leaders were obedient to the Lord, a peace came over the nation. And it said they had peace on every side. In a similar way, what you see is that in the Spirit of God, the turmoil is turned down to a minimum. It's not to say that we won't know turmoil in our life, but it's turned down and it's put into the proper perspective. See, what we see is the Holy Spirit, out of the New Testament, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and and brings discernment that leads to peace. Out out of prayer, we find a peace that passes all understanding. This is found by the Spirit of God coming upon us, that Jesus said, as he ascends, I will send the Spirit to be with you, and this is part of what we know in the Spirit. It's not all of it, but, it, but it's a big piece of it, that we will, will find and know this great peace from our God. You see, what he'll begin to show us is he'll begin to show us how things really work on this earth. So in, in the Spirit, things begin to slow down for us, and things begin to make sense more so than they did before. And, and what you see, the Spirit opens your eyes so that you see how God is working in the most dire of circumstances. And the Spirit comes and settles your heart in a way that can't come from anywhere other than heaven itself. And so we know peace. F- following Jesus, you can know reward now. That's part of it. So you can expect those temporal rewards. But but the higher reward is an inheritance in heaven that at your death you will receive a king's reward. Romans 8 talks about it in this way, that we are with Jesus, fellow heirs of Christ. Christ, as the Son of God, is certainly an heir. But Christ opens his arms wide through the cross to receive us as heirs. We too, sons and daughters of God, full heirs of his kingdom. Revelation and other places of the Bible talk about all kinds of things that come in eternity with being an heir. See things like a perfected body, a perfectly prepared body, place in heaven you see life as it was intended to be life without suffering life without death 
the other places in the second half of the New Testament where it talks about crowns for those following Jesus. You see, as it stands, it's, it's those that know Jesus inherit this otherworldly inheritance. He says it's coming. It's coming soon. You know, as Jesus works all the way through this in, in Matthew chapter 6, saying this is, this is what it's like to know me. This is what it's like to know Jesus. When you know Jesus, you long for the heavenly. When you know Jesus, you, you long for the heavenly reward. That those that know Jesus see right through the fleeting nature of applause and tiny figurines on engraved pedestals. Those that, that know Jesus find the Father, the heavenly Father they long for and the peace that comes with knowing Him. Those that know, know Jesus eagerly anticipate this inheritance with him and of the kingdom of God. That's what we want to know. We want to know our God evermore and long for that which he longs for. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us time in your word. Attention to tend to it. And Lord, we, we pray that by your spirit it would sink deep into our souls to become a part of who we are. Lord, we ask you to come and transform us. Build in us a holiness. Lord, that we might become more like you today than we were before. It's in the name of our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.